Covered in Glory is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, must be 21 years or older. of Covered in Glory, where I am here with Brett Coromitos. How are you doing today, Brett? Uh, the Champions League hurt me, Toby. It hurt me good, mostly in my wallet, but also spiritually watching Casemiro break your bet as well. Um, that's all right. That's all right. Gambling. The wonderful thing about gambling, Toby, is there's always another day. There's always another match. So I'll bounce back. I'll, I'll get there. Well, thank goodness for Odegaard and Arsenal being far more predictable, although it should have been predictable. As soon as I took Bayern Munich, adjusted up to minus 1.5, we would get a Casemiro last 15-minute brace to break my bet, as you said. Uh, But that's okay, because we got five more matches to bet on this week, and we're going to cover them all in this week's episode. We are also going to continue our study abroad program. Yeah, I know, it's really exciting. Last week's game, the Milan Derby, featured six goals, five of them coming from Inter, so while it was short on drama, it was long on entertainment, and I'm already looking forward to heading back to Serie A for another match. But now, Brett, we are going to take a hop, skip it, and jump to another one of Europe's finest countries, with La Liga in Spain. Now, I know this is the league with very passionate defenders so i'm going to clear out turn my camera off so i can be completely unassociated with what you are about to say about this league he speaks for himself amigos <laughs> i promise you that if i knew how to say it in spanish i would i believe it's el gringo es y la poyas or at least that's what everybody kept saying to me the last time i visited your fine country so go ahead brett tell everyone what they need to know about la liga I have had run-ins with the La Liga purists on Twitter before, uh, so I definitely am going to try to be more careful about what I say. Um, But I mean, I I think for for people that don't follow Spain, um, unfortunately, as far as like an aesthetically pleasing league, I think it's dropped behind both Italy and Germany. If you want goals, you're going to Germany. Uh, If you want probably higher quality teams constantly playing each other, you're going to Italy. Um, the back half of La Liga is getting pretty rough, Toby. Um, teams yeah. are probably, at least according to the ELO club ratings, uh, which has Burnley like around the 50th ranked club in the world. Um, most of the teams in the lower half of Spain after about the top eight or nine are, are closer to the 80s. Um, so you're getting a lot of like Luton Town esques, and there's not just one Luton Town, there's about five or six of them in La Liga. Uh, Luton Town might finish top half of La Liga. That that is also a possibility. Um, yeah, it, it, it does get a, it does get a little rough, um, especially because there's been a few of of more of like the classically good clubs in La Liga have fallen off. Um, Sevilla being one of them. Um, Sevilla is hilarious though because even though they were just dreadful in the league last year, uh, they like five of their top six minutes players uh, were over thirty. Um, and their underlying numbers were pretty bad. And yet, in true Sevilla fashion, what did they do, Toby? They won Europa League. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so they they are you know they are kind of like a mystical entity in European competition. But the the wheels have definitely fallen off that club um, in terms of of what they have actually like in the league season. Um, and that's really hurt. Like teams like that, teams like uh, Valencia and Villarreal, kind of turn into messes. 
that's really like her at the top part of it. Um, Atletico has not been as strong. I mean, we talk about Leicester City as probably one of the greatest soccer achievements of all time in terms of them winning the title in 2015. Um, Atletico Madrid winning La Liga, I think it was like in 2013, which was peak Messi, peak Ronaldo, and neither one mm. of them had like an extended injury absence. Is still one of the greatest achievements in soccer. <laughs> I don't yeah. care what anybody says. Um, but th- this is not your, you know, this is not, I mean, Simeone is still there, uh, but this is not your your dad's real Madrid, uh, Atletico Madrid anymore. Um, they've fallen off a little bit. So it's it's been the two powerhouses, and I think the league has been wrecked both just by the financial disadvantages that it's at, and then also kind of by the fact that like Barcelona and Real Madrid have dominated this league for so long. Every other team has basically tried to play a style to counteract their them and their possession heavy brand, right? So you get a lot of like these like four four twos and teams that sit back and and defend, and so that's why the style I think is worn out. And I know there's some teams that do some interesting stuff. Uh, Osasuna has had like a really interesting mix of like pressing high and then defending deep, and they kind of mix and match throughout the match. So there is a little bit of tactical innovation that's going on there, but for the most part. It's not a league that you're going to want to turn into unless, like, some of the bigger teams are playing. And guess what, Toby? Our matchup today is two of yeah. the bigger teams. I know. Well, I'm sold, Brett. You did a great job of talking to Premier League fans about how they should expand their palette into, yeah, I know. Perfect, into right? the Spanish tapas. And then you just said that two-thirds of the league is absolutely trash and only two teams are worth watching. So good job by you setting everybody I, up. Well I can't. I can only be honest, Toby. It's my one flaw. No matter how many times it shoots me in the foot, personally and professionally, I will be honest. <laughs> I think it is cute that you think you only have one flaw. That is that is earned confidence somehow. Well, it's, it's just the one we're talking about today, right? Like, we'll just talk about that <laughs> one today, and then we can talk about the other ones later at a different time. <laughs> so any uh, any gambling tips for people in La Liga? I mean, like, I, use, I always peruse the games, and I always see what it is for a part parlay of Barca, Real, Atletico, maybe even Valencia and Sevilla to score in their match, particularly when they're playing minnows. And if you piece all those together, you can usually get down to a decent number. But are there other stylistic ways to, to look at that league or things that people should look at outside of the Premier League as they look at putting in their wagers on the weekend? Yeah, I mean, the first thing, you know, we all, I mean, again, it, it's sort of beating a dead horse, though I, that phrase is so weird. I don't know why you want to beat a, a dead horse or a live one for that matter. But um, but basically, the, the prop market, I think the way to attack the prop market in La Liga is in games featuring teams like Barcelona and Madrid are probably shot attempts. Um, just because those teams typically they'll have like 60 or 70% percent possession against most of the lower end teams. And so you can get a chance with more possession to have some of those players just rack up egregious shot totals because they just have the ball all the time. Right. Um, and so I think that would be the first one. Uh, I, I think the the quality of play is down. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't really think like clean sheets are that safe of a bet. I, we usually kind of associate clean sheets with our famous axiom, a good team to do a good thing and keep a clean sheet. Um, but there's just uh, there's some issues, I think, in terms of overall quality. So you get individual mistakes. Uh, the goalkeepers have kind of, kind of been rated out of that league. Um, so, I mean, I, I think probably both teams to score bets would be good, um, especially when, when a bunch of the teams outside of Madrid and Barcelona are playing each other because those teams are pretty much on even footing. Um, so you get a lot of one, one games. I, I know you're going to hate this. You're going to fuck back on this. 
I think draws are good bets. I I, mm. I didn't comb through the numbers over the last five years, but just kind of following along this season, there's been a lot of draws, it seems like, in La Liga. Um, and I think that's just because the quality is so spread evenly outside of the top two or three teams. Yeah, I mean, anytime you have a league where a goalkeeper like Kepa, who wasn't a nailed-on starter at a bottom half table, a bottom half team of the table like Chelsea, suddenly comes down and is arguably the best goalkeeper of the league, there's going to be some goals. There's going to be a lot of goals scored in that league. So I agree with you. Uh, this is why I like to look at the the heavy favorites playing against the Minnows, bet their goal totals and things like that. I don't agree with you on the draw, but we don't need to relitigate that for the thousandth time. <laughs> uh, we do need to apparently, though, relitigate the city domination and all the other top storylines of the Premier League, which we will still obviously do. We will get to that right after this break and our love for Caesars. And then after our second break, we will be heading down to Spain to talk about Atletico versus Real Madrid. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit GamblingHelplineMA.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. 
Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Okay, we are back. We are on English terra firma yet again, so we will continue to talk about the Premier League before we do our study abroad section. Uh, we are going to open with an absolute banger and welcome the Spurs back to the program this week for the North London Derby. Arsenal, fourth at 13 points versus Spurs, second at 13 points. This game is Sunday at 9 a.m., Arsenal is minus 145. Spurs are plus 330. The draw is plus 320. Caesars has Arsenal minus half a goal at minus 140. And the Spurs at plus 110. All right, Brett, they're back. We famously suspended Tottenham, but now, obviously, with the North London Derby, we cannot ignore this match. So let's take a minute to talk about them. James Madison is looking like one of the signings of the season, and they shockingly sit second of the table behind only the city juggernaut, which is quickly turning my Spurs finish outside the top six ticket into confetti. So my question for you is, are you becoming a believer in the magic and post glue is creating, or is this an Eric Ten Hag situation where he looks like a genius for a while before the descent into chaos? <laughs> oh man, we just can't leave United alone, can we? Um, honestly, I, I don't buy that Spurs are back in a meaningful way. Um, but I will tell you this, Toby, I have fun watching them. Like, Ooh. it's weird to say that without Harry Kane, their best player now playing in Germany. Um, I just have fun. It's a super attacking style. Like, Ange Pestigalu doesn't give an F about basically defending. He's going to press high. He's going to try to create high turnovers. You know, they, they're going to play from the back no matter what, if they're suited for it or not. So it makes them, like, a really fun flawed team to watch. Am I buying that a team that James Madison is their best player is back? No, because I think <laughs> Madison is a solid player, but I think he's the, in the Bruno Fernandez mold of like, he's going to raise your floor, mm -hmm. but I don't know if him as your best player means that you're like a, you know, champions league contender. So and I, I mean, I feel bad for Sun, and we have we've circled around this topic. I might be more <laughs> ambitious and just st stamping it now. I think Sun might be washed. I'm sorry. Yeah, so, yeah I mean, it, I think it's, we got to talk about this, right? So, like, the Spurs are doing exactly what I'm begging Chelsea to do, which is to rack up points against bad teams. And so they've shot up to second in the table, not with a, a string of impressive victories, but avoiding dropping points against people they should beat. They bombarded Sheffield with 28 shots and earned a crazy 15 corners before finally finding the breakthrough and the winner a hundred minutes into the match. But I've got to say, like the moment I see Sun lining up at the top of a 4-2-3-1, the only thing I can think is fade Spurs. This is a guy that thrived in the space that Harry Kane created and the service that Harry Kane provided and he's for basically his entire career, right? And now you have him isolated up top 
It's no wonder to me that they couldn't score in that match until Richarlison came on. And while I'm so happy Richarlison is getting the help he needs off the field, and I commend his bravery for being open about his mental health struggles, it means that the Spurs might end up continuing to play Sun alone at the top, which means they are not going to remain at the top of the table for very much longer. Uh, I, I, the Sun thing is interesting. Um, and and I, I will circle back to say that Props to to Richarlison. I do think uh, as much as we like to joke around about things, those things are are hugely important for players to go public with that kind of stuff. Um, but as far as the Sun stuff goes, I don't know where else you play him because he's not a winger anymore. That was like our big concern, right? Oh, I keep I always say R. I'll say my. That was my big concern when I was circling around the wash topic. Is with with Sun like he wasn't doing winger stuff anymore. That was like the first like beeping red light about him com- coming near wash. So you can only kind of play him up top, right? And I think that's where like like and you, you talked about the number of shots they had to get Sheffield. So when they pl- they rolled out the lineup that they did they took 20 shots, but they weren't all good shots. Like their XG per shot was, I think, 0.8 or 0.7. The league average is about 0.1 XG per shot. So like they were just bombing away, which is great. It's great to generate shots. Don't get me wrong. And so I think like that's the problem is Sun is going to have to play for them because the step down, especially if Richarlison is not back and 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 ready to, to produce and commit and play full time, like – the step down from those two is is like Manor Solomon. <laughs> so I, I think like that with Spurs, I, I I want I want to agree that you can fade him because you're playing him, but like I think it's also the best place for Sun. And I think Antonio Conte has some explaining to do because Sun may still put up decent numbers because Eve Basuma, remember him, Toby? Do you remember mm-hmm. our boy Eve who didn't play under Conte? Is yep. a one-man wrecking field, so I do think shot tallies will pile up enough that if Sun is inefficient up top, I don't know if it's the play to fade Spurs. But it's not even just a matter of efficiency, right? Like, what does he provide up top? I mean, I know you're saying he can't play ringer, but like he could he could play in a two-man, but like in a one-man, he's not going to give hold-up play. He's not strong and physical enough to be somebody that you can use as a backboard to run ringers off of. And he certainly isn't known for his headers, right? So like as the play breaks down and as it gets out to the side and they whip it into the box, he's not going to be the target man that scores you goals that way. So now you're just relying on him to be closest man to the goalie when they create pressure and generate a turnover that he might be able to get the ball and a quick Madison pass or uh, another pass and slot past the keeper. And so like, fine, that that's good. Like that is what Sun can do, but that's, this is the premier league. And like if teams are playing, you know, park the bus and playing compact and things like that, there's no way whatsoever. He can operate as the lone striker. They need to have Richarlison's physicality or somebody else in there. You know what they really need to do is spend that, dang Harry Kane money on somebody who can fill the position rather than playing this guy out of sorts. And so like, I just, I'm fading them. You cannot fade him at your own peril. Like it's eventually going to catch up with them. There's no way this formation fits Sun's skill set. Uh, I, I don't think the, I think the, the, uh, the point about him being okay in a strike partnership is right. I do think because of the fact that they are playing this hyper aggressive pressing style that creates all these transition moments it's still it, it like affords him the space that Harry Kane would have given him um, basically by defending and, and and turning the ball over, if that makes sense. So like their their philosophy is is sort of filling the hole of things that Kane could do all by himself. Um, 
So I don't, but again, I don't know how it's going to play out. I'm not going to pretend to have all the answers. And as much as I say, don't fade Spurs, it's more, I'm going to pick Arsenal at the, on the money line, uh, but I'm also going to pair it with the over of goals because this open style is also going to lead to crazy score lines and Arsenal of yeah. the quality, as we know, they are legit. They had a great, uh, I think they went four nil against PSV Eindhoven. Um, like this is a team that's going to punish them. And as much as I've been loving Basuma and as awesome as it was watching him just wreck the field against Sheffield, he's not going to be able to save Spurs against uh, Arsenal. Yeah. And look, I don't have as much to say about the other three games. And this is clearly the best game of the weekend. Yes. I mean, North London Derby is always circled yeah. on the calendar as soon as the fixture list is released. So let's just stick on it for a second. I mean, I I am ultimately going to be in agreement with you, but I want to talk about Arsenal for a minute. We spent all that time on Spurs. What did Arteta sitting down Aaron Ramsdale for David Rea like mean to you? They are two points from perfect in the league. Like, what did Ramsdale do to lose his position? Why did they make this change? And do you think that it was just to shake things up? Or do you think that Ramsdale was showing signs of attrition and that they needed to bring in someone like Rea to replace him? I was shocked by it. Yeah, uh, Ramsdale, I think it's it's twofold. Um, Ramsdale's pretty much always been right around a baseline average shot stopper, at least by the metrics that we have. Um, so he wasn't like a Nick Pope-esque dude where you could eat some of the stuff that higher possession teams are asking goalkeepers to do because he's such a great shot stopper. Um, and Raya is clearly better at playing the type of line-breaking passes that Arteta probably wants out of the back. Um, to help them retain and circulate possession. More and more of these teams, um, Brighton is a perfect example of this with when they benched Sanchez for Jason Steele and Deserby basically came out and said, I want Jason Steele there because he can basically break the lines with his passing and Sanchez can't, and he knows what I want from distribution. And David Raya is very, much more skilled in that regard. So I think what we're seeing is this idea that when you're playing this total football, you need players that can, other goalkeepers that can operate basically as an outfield player, right? Yeah. And so we look past maybe Ramsdale's, some of his bigger saves and his little heater that he was on earlier last year with the shot stopping. And we don't really see the number of times. And he had moments, I think Crystal Palace match was one of them, where his possession was super sloppy and it led to a goal. Um, and that's what I think they're getting from Raya. And that's what it's telling me about what Arteta wants is he wants a goalkeeper back there that is going to be his 11th outfield player. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's uh, about Manchester City, right? Like you have to be so perfect to try to keep up with that juggernaut yeah. over 38 games. And the only way that you can really feel like you can win the Premier League is to continuously raise your ceiling, even if it lowers your floor, and accept a risk variance and a risk tolerance to try to be sublime because you can't ever take one. You can't ever take one. You have to assume that Manchester United is going to have like 110 points, or sorry, Manchester City is going to have like 110 points this year. And so you have to go for it every single time. And then you have to be ready to try to go toe-to-toe -to -toe for them in the two chances you get each year to nick points off of them. And the only way to do that is to transform into the best team in the world for that afternoon. So you have to take more risks. You have to turn into another outfield player and things like that. And that's not what Ramsdale does. But I think in like any other league or any other year um, that doesn't have City in it playing at this level, Ramsdale should and and perhaps probably like it would be a, a mistake to take him out of that job. Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 cons like the the 
competition level is so tight. And I do think the the city as kind of, you know, the archetype and having to match them, having to try to catch them, having to be perfect. I think those are all excellent points in, in terms of like this becoming essentially an arms race to max yourself out to catch city. Right. But I do think that in general, the cop, I don't know if it would change if city wasn't there because the competition level across the board is so tight that I think there you're looking for every edge that you can. And I mean, even wolves, um, or I'm sorry, Bournemouth, right. With Gary O'Neill, like that. And I think five years ago, Gary O'Neill locked on staying at Bournemouth. Right. But then they go get Iriola to replace him, despite the fact that O'Neill kept him up and kept him safe. I think we're, we're leaving behind because of the money, uh, because of the chance of like finishing higher on the table and getting to those European competitions, winning the title is so competitive now that I think teams are like sort of getting less risk averse, right? Um, maybe that's like, maybe I'm like getting too big picture or galaxy bringing this too much, but I, I think like, it's not just a straight up catching city thing. I think it's teams are just kind of feeling more emboldened to make those types of changes now. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, he would start on 17 Premier League teams, Ramsdale. I'd be happy. Yeah, there's a decent Chelsea. amount. Not over so, Matt like, Turner, I, though. Not over yeah, Matt Turner. Maybe not over Matty Turner, but like I I don't feel like he was what was keeping them from winning the league. Let me just put it that way. Or competing week to week against all the other teams that are, are really strong. But look, he's not the only one on the verge of losing his job. It seems like Kai Havers might be doing the same thing as he's really struggled in the new role and Vieira has looked lively as his replacement. The problem to me there, Brett, is that Havers doesn't really fit the profile of a guy who's a high-impact sub either. And with Martinelli hurt, they need to rely on Trissard from the, from the start. So I guess they just have to rely on Nakedia to provide that spark. And so, like, if they need to bring on somebody who makes a difference, you know, in the 60-minute mark on, I don't know who Arsenal's going to turn to in this match, which makes it a little tighter. But at the end of the day, I thought about extending an olive advance to the Spurs and taking them on the double chance, but I just couldn't do it. This feels like a mirage that will catch up with them, as I've already started to talk about, over time. And Arsenal are even more legit than last year with Rice and betting so quickly and Odegaard in the form of his life. So despite the Spurs run of form, I am taking Arsenal minus half a goal at minus 140 just like you and just like you. I am pairing it with something to sweeten it up and you can probably guess what I'm pairing it with on Trendy, uh, the new show that I'm hosting for the network. We talk over and over again about the power of just set it and forget it bets where you ride a trend no matter what and I don't think there's a better trend in all of sports right now than Martin Odegaard shot on target. So I'm doing it <laughs> Yet another Back. week. He has hit it six consecutive games, usually like with at least two SOTs. I even thought about adjusting this up. Two SOTs is usually like plus 250. On the one, they haven't moved the number at all. It's still minus 170. So when you pair it with that Arsenal money line in a game that is going to be wide open with lots of shots and lots of space for Odegaard to bomb the keeper, I can't believe I'm getting plus 150 for him to do it. And so like I get Odegaard and I get to fade the Spurs together. This is the kind of fun that was banned at the last World Cup. Well, this is my this is my thing of I spend too much time with you because as I was looking for my bet and I was thinking through the match and I was like, this is an open game. I'm like, man, Toby's Odegaard bet is going to hit easy in this one. <laughs> like, Darn that's right. how I know is you invaded my thoughts about the match where I'm like, 
Yeah, Toby's gonna bet Odegaard, and that's like a really good bet. And I purposely was like, I'm gonna take the I'm gonna take the over here of three and a half goals because I just didn't want to straight rip your bet off from under you. <laughs> all right. Stop thinking about me at night. That's an order. Uh all it's right. Just so... when I'm with alone with my spreadsheets, Toby. God. <laughs> oh, that's your most intimate time. Yeah. Uh so let us head to another match. I mean I love talking about the North London Derby. We do have three other ones to get to. Uh, next up will be Man City, first at 15 points, Nottingham Forest, eighth at seven points. This game is Saturday at 10 a.m. Caesars has City minus 700, Forest at plus 1,800, the draw at plus 650. City minus two and a half at our friends at Caesars. That's how far they've adjusted this. It's plus 120, Forest is minus 150. So, Brett, I don't have anywhere nearly as much to say about this one because it's another week, another three points with the Sky Blue Machine. I did appreciate them having to come from behind for to win for once uh, so we can pretend there was some drama and, and honestly like watching another team try to hold off against wave after wave after wave and protect that lead is one of the most entertaining forms of soccer that we have we just don't see it very, uh, anywhere near often enough I also like kudos to Holland for not tapping in that second goal the one that Silva hit as kind of a spinner that was just dancing across the goal mouth and he put his foot up to then pulled it away like it made me think about other Premier League players from the past Ronaldo would have scored that 11 out of 10 times. Ronaldo would have tapped that in, pulled it back out and tapped it in again and asked for two goals credits. So like the <laughs> fact that he didn't, I was shocked. And as somebody who was holding a Holland to score a ticket, I was really happy to see him get his third. Uh, so in terms of this individual game though, Brett, gotta say Forrest, Forrest stayed within one of Arsenal in a game they won on XG. They stayed within one to United. They beat Chelsea. And it's a big jump up for City to win by three here, especially since I can see them holding John Stones back another game. And they need to rotate Roger at some point. They also are starting to get their own injury uh, pileup with Kova having a bad back. And uh, well, um, Bernardo Silva went out midweek, and we, we don't think we're going to see him for a couple of weeks. So I don't know. I I'm going to do it. Screw it. I'm going to do it. I am taking Forrest against Manchester City on the two and a half at minus 150 for the sake of the show, for the sake of reality. I wouldn't even bet that with your bankroll. <laughs> You've turned it into me. Is this like a body switch thing? Man, <laughs> I'm usually the one that takes the crap teams and like tries to find a way to justify it. Um and now, now I'm going to be the one that comes in like as a like a glass of like a bucket of cold water here. Um, I was forest curious early in the year. They had a couple <laughs> of interesting games where they were sort of looking like they maybe have fixed like their defensive issues. Um, and then in their last match, they went to a back four, and it did not go well against Burnley. Um, and so when you say the phrase, Toby, <laughs> it did not go well against Burnley. That's not a good thing for your defending. Yeah. <laughs> um, agreed. So I think their defensive issues are still going to be there uh, again. This is like a perfect example of like why early XG stuff is great. Like it, it gives you a little bit of context to some things that are going on, uh, but definitely not like, Oh, forest have allowed less than one XG for the first two matches. Their defense is good. Um, definitely not. a thing. But, but, you but don't you think they're going to play differently against city than they did against Burnley? Like whatever experimentation they did against Burnley, whatever experimentation they did, they are going to like hunker down for at least the entire first half and try to minimize the damage. No. Well, here's the thing though. I could see them going back to the back three. But the problem is with all their new signings, 
their best bet is to play the four, two, three, one that they rolled out against Burnley. Um, because now they have your former guy and Colin Hudson Adoy. They have Morgan mm-hmm. Gibbs White, uh Awoni, who's a, a show favorite of ours. Um, I'm trying, I'm forgetting one. Origi, uh Divac Origi is on that roster now, too. So, like to get all those attackers onto the pitch, they have to play something where they're they're playing with probably one less defender. Also, when they play a back three. It makes you more solid, sure, to have another defender out there. But it's not like four center backs <laughs> are people yeah. that are going to make you, like, just swoon. So, like, like I, I think they're going to probably try to just jam their best players on the pitch and just see what happens, which, man, that makes me excited about City. So we're <laughs> on different sides of the bet here. I am taking the minus two and a half for City at the plus 120 number. Um, I'm also taking the shitty clean sheet win because – even with all these new attackers, uh, they're all new, but it's the it's the forest new. We'll call it forest new, where it's still just buying a bunch of guys that are <laughs> slightly higher up the bargain bin than they were when they were reaching all the way down to the bottom last year and like fishing Jesse Lingard out. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that their attack is still going to be a work in progress. I also think the possibility, and as we say on the show all the time, Check the starting 11s. I also think yes. the possibility that uh, Force may roll out another center back would then, of course, decrease their chance for scoring. So the City clean sheet went at minus 129. Force has no one that can help them even remotely try to keep City from controlling this game from start to finish. So I think they might attempt like four shots. So Ederson, I, all you got to do is to say four shots, bro, if they can yeah. I I looked at that bet. I wrote it down. I erased it. I wrote it down. I erased it again just because I'm starting to sense just a little bit, just a little bit of the playing with the food mentality coming back to City. So consolation goal, late 80 minute, 85th minute or something like that made me erase that bet for a final time. Although I, I considered it strongly and it probably will make it into my, my betting slip on Saturday morning. Um, if you do believe that, by the way, I think the best way to uh, fade Ederson or fade City's clean sheet is Forest first goal, 61st minute and over is plus 380, Brett. So you can go ahead and place that. They don't score in the first 60 minutes. The city plays it seriously. And then, you know, they let up a little bit. Forest slips one past them at the death. And you cash plus 380 pretty easily. Um, the one I'm actually going to play, though, I'm pretty proud of this one. Hold, Brett. hold on pretty one second. Hold on one okay. second. Um, can I just kind of check? We're on a Zoom call, but is this a deep fake? Let's, let's ha- I'm trying to look through my camera lens and make sure. Are you real? Is this really Toby? I'm sorry. Yep. I just need to make sure. I need to make sure because I, I worry with these two forest bets, like something's happened. And if we need to talk after the show, we can talk after the show. I just want you to know I'm here for you, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Well, here's a reversion to form. There uh, we go. Because I, right. I, I, I thought about this and I tried to come up to get creative and figure out exactly how I wanted to play it. I think the most likely score lines for this match are 2-1 or 3-1 or 3-0 or above 4-0, 5-0 even, like all the way up to the top. Maybe maybe 4 sticks at 1 because I am afraid of that constellation goal. So how do I combine all those things and get a decent number? So what I came up with is a three-leg same-game parlay, Brett. Oh, over boy. two and a half goals. for a, I don't care if it's City or 4. So over two and a half goals. Holland get, gets one of them. And under 1.5 forest goals. So maybe they get one, but they definitely ain't getting two. You put those three together and it's minus 115. 
You know, you're you're just like someone that looks at a piano and then just can play a symphony. You just <laughs> you see a problem with your bets and then you dig deep into Caesar's sports book. And then all of a sudden we come out and it's like Sistine Chapel, Beethoven's fifth, like whatever reference you want to give it. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna pop this is what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna thank pop you, that thank bet. You. It's a great bet, and the creativity is what makes it great. Appreciate it. I wish Chelsea had some of that creativity because then maybe they could score a freaking goal once this season. We will have to talk about them next. Unfortunately, they are at 14th at five points versus Aston Villa, seventh at nine points. This game is Sunday at 9 a.m. Chelsea is minus 112. Villa is plus 290. The draw is plus 265. Chelsea minus half a goal is minus 125, while Caesars has Villa on the double chance at minus 105. All right, Brett, we've got to do it again. Let's talk about XG. I pointed out last week that Chelsea is third in the XG table for the Premier League, and digging deeper and far more shockingly, they are sixth, sixth, Brett, in all of the top five leagues in Europe, in all of the leagues, in XG created this year. Not even just XG differential, XG created on the attacking side. The five teams above them average 12 goals apiece, during this campaign, and Chelsea have five. They have five goals. This might be sixth in the continent in XG created. So we keep waiting for them to revert to the mean. But this has been going on seemingly forever, basically since Hazard left, and he's now effectively retired. So what do you, XG master, attribute this all to? Uh, I am definitely not an XG match, sir. I am just sort of like the guy that's just just dumb enough to be dangerous with XG. Um, so I, I think what I attribute it to is, is in the short term, you know, we're talking about a small sample of matches, right? And we've had, <laughs> I don't want to keep bringing it up. I feel bad for the kid, but Nico Jackson missed an open dead. I don't even know. We've talked about this our last show. We don't know how he missed it, but things like that. Enzo's missed penalty is going to be an issue. Chilwell missed a couple of chances that were really great. So those are going to look really egregious in the short term, and they're going to really create that huge difference. But this is the whole point of expected goals, right? Is it's 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 this predictive stat. We don't know when variance swings. When you're at a poker table, and the flushes just keep hitting against your top set, and you're you're sixty forty or seventy thirty or whatever that edge is, is I haven't played poker in a while, and you're like, man, how do I keep losing this when I'm a seventy percent favorite? And then all of a sudden, like three months down the road, you're getting people hitting set under set under you and you're just raking in money. And like, that's when variance is swinging back your direction. Right. And I think that's the way you got to look at it with Chelsea is we don't know when the variance is going to swing, but we do know that they're doing the, the, the good thing, the, the highly predictive thing that says they're going to continue. They're going to score going forward. Now, the caveat to that is always this. Within the spectrum of expected goals, there are finishers that are good. Son is one of them. Messi is in a tier by himself. Uh, there's also finishers and even prolific goal scorers that are bad. Christian Benteke being a guy that's gotten ragged on for it. And Eden Dzeko was silently like is silently like minus 30 uh, goals under his expected goal differential uh, coming in as a subpar finisher, right? So, like, we don't know the makeup of this Chelsea team yet. Nico Jackson hasn't shown us in Villarreal that he was a bad finisher, but maybe over a larger sample size, that might be the case, and it might tell us that this XG isn't going to be 
as predicted bouncing back. Me personally, Chilwell missing uh, good opportunities, Enzo missing penalties, Nico Jackson missing open nets from three feet away. My guess is if those things keep happening, Chelsea's goals are going to start coming and they're going to start coming by the bushel. So if I was you, I would be optimistic. I, as a fan, though, when we talk about this stuff, this is part of the reason why I think people hate analytics is they're like, I don't care. My team's not scoring goals and they don't have yeah, any points. I've, I've got to tell you how restless the fans are getting. Like, yeah. hey, hey, internet community, I lurk. I'm lurking out there. If you've got a Chelsea community, I'm probably monitoring it. I am big brother watching this thing, and I'm watching them get progressively pissed about people talking about it. It's XG. a great ad for our Discord channel. I'm watching <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are getting so mad that people keep bringing up XG. They're like, hey, you know what stat I like? Wins. You know what stat I like? Goals scored. Like, how about we use those analytics to judge this team instead of this XG that never seems to translate? And so, like, I'm somewhere in the middle because I, I've become XG curious as a result of doing this show with you, but I'm sick of watching this crap <laughs> and seeing, and seeing like, the chances they're creating. Like, you know, to your point about people being better finishers or not, it's like, when it falls to our former Lord and Savior, Connor Gallagher, and he's seven yards out, I don't assume that's going in. I assume it's going, uh, you know, over the bar or straight into the keeper's chest and like nico jackson like i love what he's doing all over the pitch i love you know him being able to carry the ball up the field i love the defensive actions he's putting in but when like a ball is crossed to him three yards in front of the goal and all he has to do is head it in and it hits him in the chest with no power and he knocks it to the ground and then misses the kick it's like what am i doing here and then raheem sterling he comes in and he has a clean shot from the right post and he almost hits the freaking corner flag he almost hit the corner flag instead of the goal from like six yards out. So like, yes, XG might say that was a great opportunity. But what happened? Like, who cares when he's like the bomber melting down at Wimbledon wearing one shoe? So I, I don't know. I mean, obviously I'm super frustrated by it. Obviously I'm sick of hearing about it. And Chelsea has bad news for them in this game because that top six list of XG created that I looked up so I could talk about on the show, Villa sits third. Villa sits third in all of Europe and XG created behind only City and Barca. So it's time, Brett. It's time. It's finally time. It's time for me to fade Chelsea until they can convert some of these theoretical goals into actual ones. I can't continue to lose money on them. So since they are still an elite defensive team, I'm not going to go too crazy. I'm going to go Villa on the double chance at 105, and I hope I can cash. And when Chelsea drops points again, maybe it will make me enough money that I can help Chelsea buy one new striker who will immediately need two new Achilles as soon as he steps onto the training pitch. Oh man, we're at odds again, my friend. And this Good is luck just with such that. a such Good a luck. weird such a weird reversal. This show. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going Chelsea on the money line, uh, and I'm taking Chelsea to win both the score because I love spreadsheets and and. I, the one thing I I, I looked at because I looked at Bill's numbers, I saw the the number that, that you had too, and they're weird to me because like their attacking talent does not match that production. Whereas Chelsea, with the quality of a kid like Nico Jackson, with Raheem Sterling looking back that and dribbling through entire defenses and looking like he is still effective player, uh, Ben Chilwell is a pretty good attacking wing back. Uh, Enzo is one of the most skilled midfielders in the world right now, other than a guy that we're Mm -hmm. going to talk about at the end of the show. Um, I just think that Chelsea's finishing quality is just, is just, and their players are just better. Um, And I think there, I think there's a thing that can be true. And the thing that can be true is that 
Villa can pr- be producing really good underlying numbers, but they also could just be running hot in the, the midst of, of producing all these chances. Because I just don't think guys like Ali Watson, Leon, uh, Ali Watkins, Leon Bailey, they're fine players. Are they one of the best attacking sides in all of the continent? Probably not. Um, so I'm going to back Chelsea here. I know those are, I know you're going to come in and be like, enjoy that one, buddy. I've been doing that for a while. It hasn't Good worked luck. out. <laughs> Wish you a lot of luck. Wish you a lot of luck. I hope I see it in your five pint. Uh, I am going completely at odds with you. And you can try to figure out if all this is a reverse jinx. I welcome you to lurk in on my psyche like I'm lurking on the message <laughs> boards. I'm going under 2.5 goals at plus 115. It's, and it's basically the same number as both teams to score no, because I don't think either of these teams are going to hit three. But this way, you still get the 1-1 draw. So I'm going to get a plus number for this to stay under three uh, goals, 2-0 either side, 1-1, 1-0 either side, or another thrilling nil-nil contest for me to sit through while I should be watching the North London Derby. And that's all I got to say about that. Let's head down to Liverpool, third at 13 points. At West Ham, six at 10 points. This game is Sunday at 9 a.m. Liverpool is minus 235. West Ham is plus 575. The draw is plus 375. Pool minus a goal and a half is plus 115. Uh, West Ham is minus 145 on that adjusted line. All right, so we took a week off from Liverpool. We had some rotation. They were the ones who sat out last week. It's United this week. So it's a great chance to talk about them again. And let's talk about their lineup. They're rolling out Jota. Gakpo and Salah up front. They have McAllister playing and holding completely like, you know, lighting that endo signing on fire. They're not playing Nunez and Diaz at the starting lineup. They obviously still out with uh, or missing Van Dyke. So they didn't have TA either. So they rolled out the immortal Joe Gomez right back experiment. Oh, Gomez. Still, just- still in Liverpool, baby. <laughs> I mean, Neto snatched his soul, so I don't know how you could be soulless and still remain at Liverpool. I think he's just like wandering the eternal plane right now, <laughs> trying to re- reattach what Neto stole from his body. But like, I'm just an idiot on the couch, Brett. Like, none of this makes sense to me. None of this makes sense to have Diaz and Nunez, neither of them start, and playing Gakpo basically out of position, leading your line, while also playing McAllister and holding and watching what is happening and the, the tactics in return. So like, you are a genius at this stuff. I am not. What is Klopp thinking? Uh, I love that you call me a genius, and I'm, I, I will pay, I will send you that money on PayPal for doing it live on the show. Oh shoot, I wasn't supposed to say that out loud. Um, <laughs> no, I, I it's the Gakpo thing is just like curious. Um, so ever since Michael Edwards left, there's kind of been some rumblings that like. He Klopp has gone full Klopp and just taking over more control of like the signings and then obviously like pretty much like having his way of like who's playing where, what and when. And so Gakpo is like probably the exact type of player that Michael Edwards like wouldn't sign. Right. Like a super hyped guy whose numbers were a little inflated, who's older than, you know, maybe like the he's a promising young player. But oh, wait, he's already 23, which is like right near soccer prime age. Um and but Klopp just loves Gakpo, so he just rolls him out there. I really think like we we want to get into this whole like Klopp's on his tactics board, and he's like, well, Gakpo can do this, and I'm a chess master. I really just think it's like he likes him and he trusts him, and he's like, I'm going to figure out a way to play him, and I'll just put him at striker because he can you know score with both feet and do some hold up stuff and blah blah blah, right? Um, so the the midfield though is 
fascinating to me, especially with Gravenberch now in the fold if he plays. Um, Endo was always kind of like a panic buy, um, which is now hilarious. Like another thing that would have made Michael Edwards vomit into a trash can was spending 20 million on a midfielder that played for the 16th place team in Germany that's 30 <laughs> years old. Um, but I, I do think that the midfield is fascinating um, for the, the sense that I think Sobosly might be a budding midfield superstar. He's been really good. Um, I don't know if he's, yeah, I I mean, I don't know about you, but like, he's been probably the player that stood out to me most when I watched Liverpool play is Sobosly. And I think like, he's, he's my new Kulisevsky. Yeah. He's he's got that same vibe that I've got. Yeah. I mean, like I, 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 I I still enjoy Kulisevsky and the fact that he got the winner in the last match, you know, felt, uh, felt good down in the, down below the belt. But Sobosly started to take that position. I love watching him play. And by the way, like Cody Gakpo alone isn't the problem. Like, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm not saying he was a bad signing because they got him so cheap. I just don't see how you have Nunez and Diaz sitting on the bench uh, and have Jota and Gakpo and those guys not starting. Like, I, this is this isn't even shots fired at him. I just don't understand the tactics. And Sobosly is starting to clean up some of that mess. And and gives them chances, and you know Mo Salah is still Mo Salah in a lot of ways, and his game's even evolving. So it, it's it's the tactics more than anything else. But continue to slobber over Sobosly. I, I certainly am here for it. <laughs> no, I, I think the way that it all ties in together is it's just they're trying to find more cohesion in the aggregate. So like ten years ago, when we used to have the discussion of a four free, four three three, you remember what it was? It was like. You need a destroyer, you need a box-to-box guy, and you need to create a player, right? And they all to fit it perfectly into those boxes, you know? Um, nowadays, like, midfields are hybrids, right? So you have guys like McAllister who aren't, like, a top tier. They're not Cesc Fabregas, but they also do the, 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 the things that they give up in that pure playmaking. They do a little bit more defensive and pressing stuff than, like, a Cesc Fabregas would ever do. And same with Sobosly. Like, he can do things near the box – but he can also press and win the ball back a little bit. So you you kind of build this like total midfield and total team with the aggregate of skills. I think that's what you're seeing. It's like Darwin, I, I think Darwin Nunes would start for all but maybe 10 or 12 teams in the world right now. But for a team as good as Liverpool is, which might be the second best team in the Premier League, and feel free to hop in and disagree with me on that. Um, but Darwin Nunes is an agent of chaos. You lose control yeah. of the pitch when he's out there. And I think that's why him in the super sub role is kind of something that I think we're going to see as a fixture. Well, he'll start probably some Europa League games. I didn't look at their starting 11 today for Europa, um, but I'm sure he'll start more Europa League games and it'll be a bench guy here. Yota, it's probably an injury management thing. And same thing with Diaz. It's like he's coming off a major knee injury, looked a little bit rusty at the end of last year. They maybe felt that they rushed him back. So I think we're going to see more of that as like an injury management thing, but also Klopp is going to play guys that he feels like fit together better versus just being like Darwin's out there. All bets are off. Just flip your coins, guys. Dude, the, the second best team in the Premier League has Declan Rice holding and not McAllister. McAllister can, should not be playing that position. The Wolves were taking advantage of that over and over and over again. As soon as he got the ball, they were blitzing the living hell out of him and creating their own form of chaos, Darwin Nunez style. And so I just don't think... I don't think we can call them the second best team in the Premier League while this is the lineup. And they have the talent to be. They have the coach to be. They have the history to be. And they have the stars to be. But... 
<laughs> you can't have Gakpo leading your line, McAllister acting as the holding, and then pretend like you're going to be a title contender. And this is exactly why I'm taking West Ham on the double chance this week, because I think Paqueta is going to wreak freaking chaos in that midfield. He's been wonderful at winning the ball back, creating opportunities, and the fact that I'm able to get – oh, I'm sorry. I said on the double chance, um, I'm taking West Ham on the adjusted. Because I'm actually getting a goal, right? West Ham minus one and a half. I'm sorry, plus one and a half is minus 145. So the fact that I Liverpool has to run away with this, the fact that they're going to turn them over, the fact that I think West Ham will score on one of those turnovers, then Liverpool has to get the three. I just don't like the number and having to lay that much when I think the range of outcomes is much tighter to like the draw or West Ham win than the Liverpool blowout. Yeah, I mean... Uh, you're talking to the wrong person here in this match in particular because I'm just a huge West Ham skeptic. Now, again, Bukata, I, I share your enthusiasm for him. I think he's really good. I'm sort of disappointed in a way that he didn't wind up with at City and Nunes did <laughs> um, because I think that would have been a way more interesting fit, but it also would have made City way better. So I guess that's an overall win. Um, again, Hard to look at early XG numbers and take a ton because schedules are unbalanced. There's a ton of things that go into it. But West Ham has a negative expected goal differential despite being in sixth place right now. They've never impressed me in any of their matches. I mean, even when they lit up Brighton and they won 3-1, that was mostly, as we talked about last week, because Brighton was just trotting out a bunch of guys that like couldn't cover any space. Um, and then the other worrying thing to me about West Ham is they are turning just an absolute ton of their final third touches like into these super high quality shots. And that screams unsustainable to me. Like maybe they're going to continue to be fantastic on the break all season. I don't really buy it. Um, and so again, we're, this is, I think it's like the first show where we've been like completely at odds on almost every game. So I think because of the fact that they also give up the most touches in the penalty area and in the opponent's final third of any team in the Premier League, I couldn't be happier you're getting plus money with Liverpool at minus 1.5. Um, okay. I think that they're just going to absolutely shell them, and I think this could be a route type of game. Um, and so I was pretty happy that for, even though it's a, a larger spread to cover, that you were getting plus money for it. And then the you other know, part, oh, go ahead. If, if the lineups come out, it's Nunez, Diaz, and Salah, I'm not, I'm not putting my money down. But if it's Gakpo, Jota, and and Salah up front, I'm doubling my money. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, here here's the thing that I, I think is scares me. I, I wanted to find the actual number. So the teams with the two lowest touches in the opponents attacking third this season are you could probably guess Toby Luton Town and Sheffield United. And where do you think that they're going to wind up at the end of the season, Toby? Probably back down in the championship. Bro. Yeah. And you know who the team that's right above them in third last is West Ham. Sure. <laughs> uh, so West Ham just is not getting the ball a ton in the final third, but they're creating like a ton of actual goals. Um, I think they have 10 goals scored despite having the third lowest touches in the, in the attacking third in the Premier League. Um, so you can kind of see like where my skepticism is like really coming in. I just don't think that they're going to be able to punish teams in the counter, which means that this whole style of them just basically sitting back in their own third, the entire match is going to start causing some issues. Um, but that said, I'm finally doing it. I'm getting on the horse, Toby. You inspire me with your Odegaard bets and your consistency. Liverpool come behind to win? Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Plus 525 yeah. this week. 
Uh, th- it's still definitely a game where I do think, especially with the Europa League game that they have to play, um, that West Ham can nick an early goal, some Jared Bowen counter or something comes on, or they draw a penalty early. And then I think Liverpool just pour it out at the end. So this this sets up perfectly for that game. And, and, and again, you just inspired me, man. You inspire me with your commitment to Martin Odegaard. Well, talking about inspiration, shout out to the hero who actually placed a wager last week for Villa, Tottenham, Liverpool, and City to all come from behind to win. This punter legend, $100 ticket paid him $55,000 after the amazing finishes last week. And as I texted you, even if he lost $30,000 making that pick every other match day for his entire life, he is still plus EV. So that guy is that guy. We're going to give that guy a round of applause, too. Oh, my gosh. Especially because the craziest thing happened is as I was watching Spurs with their insane comeback, I turned off the Crystal Palace match because I thought like they're entering extra time. Palace is up 1-0. And then I even texted you and I was like, wait, Palace lost? (laughs) So that dude not only won with one insane finish, he won with two completely insane extra time finishes, which by the way, Toby, I wanted to bring this up. How about real time extra time? Because all those goalers were scored like 90 plus 8 or 90 plus 11. Real time extra time. Bring the drama. Let's talk about it next week. And that might have even been a $10 bet. I can't remember if it was 10 or 100 You texted me it was 10 You texted yeah, me it was I think $10 it was actually bet. 10 now that I'm yeah. reviewing it. It's like unbelievable. God. That guy's a legend. He is a story legend. to tell for the rest. I assume of he's life. a listener. I'm assuming he's a listener and he got that Liverpool part of the uh, parlay yeah. from you. So we'll take a, we'll take a donation to the show. We need it. <laughs> uh, all right. My my prop for this game, Salah assist. I was shocked to see the number given how influential he was in the last one, setting up his teammates. It's plus 240, Brett. So check your lineup before it comes out. If TAA is missing again, Salah is the only one providing that creative spark uh, in the final third. And he's getting the entire right flank to himself because TAA is not crowding it with his overlapping runs. I mean, he's great overlapping runs, don't get me wrong. But he is giving him so much space and so much responsibility to create for the for his teammates. So if TAA is not in that lineup, that plus 240 is one of my favorite games uh, bets of the entire week. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's perfect because it, it it matches right with your logic of Foden without KDB, right? You take away the yep. primary creator for a team, it usually falls on the next guy. Um, and so there's going to be a goal in this match from Liverpool, or there should be, unless they're extremely unlucky. Um, and so if there's a goal, Sal is the number one guy to assist it. Right. Well, I'm really enjoying myself and we've gone a little bit long. So if you want to bail now, I don't blame you. Keep it under an hour. You can check social media for our five pint graphic. But if you want to stick with us, if you've got another 15 minutes, it is time to take our break. And then we are heading off to Spain. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we are back. It is time, Brett. It is time for El Derby. Atletico Madrid, seventh in La Liga at seven points versus Real Madrid, first at 15 points. This game is Sunday at 3 p.m. and it is on ESPN+. Plus. 
Shout out to our friends at ESPN. This is a great way to watch soccer. Real is plus 155. Atletico is plus 175. The draw is plus 225. Madrid at minus half a goal is plus 150. Atletico is minus 180. All right, Brett, to set the table a little bit, Atletico lost to Valencia last week 3-0, while Real slipped past Sociedad 2-1. In the Champions League midweek, Atletico dropped two points in unbelievable fashion, giving up a goal to the goalie in the final seconds of the match. I absolutely love when this happens. Imagine in hockey, if instead of pulling the goalie, the goalie pads it all, skates down to the other end, and tries to score. It's incredible, it's glorious, and it never, ever works. But here it finally did. Oh, the goalie no, remember run. Liverpool's run. Allison, Allison came up. Allison was, that, was that West Brom, right? And he scored it to sit, basically put him in the Champions League. That was insane, too. The very fact that you remember it proves my point because yeah, there's been 10,000 goalies that have tried to score since then. All we can remember is Allison and no one else <laughs> yeah. looking for. But this guy made a run and hit a header that was better than any play a Chelsea striker has made in the last five years. So <laughs> I am glad we are talking about this match because it's a contest between two of the three biggest clubs in Spain. But come on, Brett. Come on. One side features the greatest players in the world and the other side is still playing Saul. Real has Vinicius Jr. They have Courtois out with injuries. Both those guys are hurt, but they still feature Rodrigo, Valverde, Joselu, uh, Chukameni, Camavinga, Luka Madrik, Antonio Rudiger. All guys look at you crushing this list of pronunciations. By the way, well, but this is this is actually crushing. the point. This is actually the point. Most of these times, I have to look these names up and practice them in a mirror. I know all these guys because they're yeah. legends. They're like world global superstars that we talked about so much in the World Cup last year that they just roll off my tongue. And of course, of course, Brett, we can't bring up a Real Madrid game without talking about their new star boy, Jude Bellingham, the Englishman who at 20 already has a claim to being the best player in La Liga. Would you put him the top player in the league quite yet? Uh, I'll put it this way, Toby. Um, not to offend our spiritual folks, but I, I vacillate between like agnostic and atheist on the day. But if there was a religion built around Jude Bellingham, <laughs> I would worship him as a god. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. He is 20 years old. He saved their butt again against Union Berlin, uh, scoring in the like the dying, the waning moments of that match. Um, I I'm almost getting to the point where I think he's getting into the conversation of best player in the world. Um, uh, the goal scoring run is hot is, is like, he's running hot right now. Um, but everything that he does in totality, he is unbelievable. He is that team right now. Cause as you mentioned, Edder Militao out torn ACL, Courtois out torn ACL, uh, Vinicius Jr. is a hamstring issue. I believe, um, Benzema as if you haven't been paying attention to soccer is off playing his train in the middle East. Um, so, I mean, this team in sort of in some ways, um, I mean, they're still trotting out like Patrick and Gross. Which yeah. I, I can't even say that without laughing. <laughs> <laughs> like, look, we're going to be doing this show in 2040 being like, yeah, and they started Luka Modric. Uh, <laughs> <yesterday. laughs> so, like, like, this is insane to me. And he has been their team. Like, he has been... Real Madrid, the, and he is 20 freaking years old, dude, yeah. 20. We've been talking about this kid since he was 16. He's only 20. He is, he's three or four years away from his soccer prime. 
Yeah, so, I mean, he, look, <laughs> he's leading the league in goals from midfield. Yeah, influence has been crazy. Rescued them in the Champions League. I mean, I know DeJong's been good. Pedro's good. Lewandowski's been good for Barca. Uh, Vinny Jr. might have you know a shout at this, but I, I think he's the best player in the league already. Like five yeah. games into his last career, I think he's the best player in the league, which is nuts. So, like, meanwhile, at Atletico, they have guys with brand name names, but off brand games. Ooh, that was a fun little bit there of wordplay. I feel like Ted Lasso there. Uh, so they've got Griezmann, they have Morata, they have Aspilicueta, they have Lorente. These are all guys who had time on the world stage, but time is no longer on their side. They're even playing Axel Witzel at center back, yeah. who started his career as a right winger. Like, what the hell is happening down there? I don't know what's going on. Plus, I'm, Brett, I'm not going to lie. I've always thought Simeone was a bit, bit insufferable. He's the master of the grinded out, low block defensive style of football. His themes have never been that much fun to watch. And I know he's now trying to change with the times, but he doesn't have the horses to run. Like, I I, I just don't see it, right? So, like, now that I said it, he's minus 8,000 to be the next Chelsea manager. But are you a Simeone guy? Like, do you respect what he's done and what he's building down there? So, again, as we mentioned before, I think that he accomplished one of the the – Hardest things to do in modern soccer, which is win a La Liga title in the peak of two of the best players in the world's powers. Um, but Atletico has always been more fascinating in theory than they ever were to watch. <laughs> like, you don't want to watch Atletico Madrid play football. You just don't, especially yeah. in their peak era when they were getting the Champions League finals and stuff. It was terrible. It was an interesting, innovative, tactical style where they, you know, kind of combine this like compact 442 into, you know, trigger presses along the side and things like that. It was a, it was a really interesting thing. You know, he was doing it obviously without the without um the spending power of some of the bigger clubs. Um but the style was horrendous basically yeah. um he has tried probably to tuning to this game totally watch this game on sunday well Ignore what he said. I, I am watching this he's opened it up a little bit more thankfully um so they are tr- at least like trying to be more attacking at this point the problem is um and one of these days now that i'm producing shows we're just gonna have a toby outtake reel because you had the the picket one on monday which you nailed after a couple <laughs> we're gonna just get toby trying to do these alliterative things into the break and then, and then just cut it into a Toby uh, out, outbreaks or outtakes reel. Um, but yeah, I, I think going into this match, they are trying to get more attacking. They have some of the names that are a little bit more cut rate, but like Murata still produces like he's flawed. I mean, we, we, we know the discourse around a guy like Murata. Um Memphis to is in there. Memphis is still skill, but he's obviously aging out of his prime. Griezmann's still there. I mean, I think he's washed at this point. He's like barely shooting. I think he shoots like he's only has like 1.5 shots per match uh, coming into this um, this matchup. So, I mean, this is an interesting team where like you kind of look at some of the names. You're like, man, maybe like Atletico's back. Uh, I'm just not sold. And their and early their early start to the season has been a freaking roller coaster. Um, I mean, they've they've produced uh, 2.4 xG against Granada, 3.4 against Rio but then produce less than an expected goal against Batiste, Valencia, and Lazio. So I have no freaking idea like what this team is at this point. I think they could just be kind of like the Brighton version in a different way of La Liga where like you're going to look and Atletico is going to all of a sudden win a game 7-0, but then they're going to get trounced by like Girona, like 5-0 another week. So with that said, 
And with the fact that Jude Bellingham is my personal god, um, I am I'm gonna go with Madrid despite the industry injuries at plus 155. So yeah. I think it's gonna be an interesting match. Uh you'll see probably by my next bet, maybe that it won't seem that way. I think the score line won't be like super fascinating, but I do think it's gonna be a pretty interesting battle. Yeah, this just seemed far too obvious. I've been sitting here on pins and needles waiting for you to talk me out of grabbing plus money on Real on the money line. But to me, this is like a Manchester derby where it's City and United and City is somehow plus money. I feel like a Rube taking the plus 155, but I would feel like a far bigger sucker going any other way. So I'm with you. I am taking them at the plus 155 and I'm even going to have it in my five point in not too distant future. Oh, wow. So we end the show in total agreement. Um, yeah, the, the thing I'm going to do with my prop bet, though, never. I don't know if these are good bets. You can make fun of me. I'll, I'll just set you up for this. I Exact score lines are always tough, no, no. But, I, but I'm sorry, man. But like, when you look at this match, isn't the one of the biggest ranges of outcomes 1-0 Madrid? And it's plus 850. Like, 8 to 1. You're telling me if this match gets played 10 times, that one out of those eight times, this game isn't one nil. I overwhelmingly so. I, I think that it, it just jumped out to me. I know they're not yeah. great bets, but it I know just jumped a, out to me. I know you're one out of ten logic, but ten out of ten times Kepa's still in the net for uh Madrid. <laughs> so I wish you a whole lot of luck on that. And when the other side's featuring Saul. So between those Chelsea legends and ending one zero more than one out of What's ten the times. Stoppable force surprised. versus the movable object. <laughs> exactly. I'm going with a little bit more of a traditional bet here. Under two and a half goals, minus one twenty-five. Brett, eight of uh eight of the last ten matches between these clubs and I ended up uh, on the under and I usually wouldn't go all the way back to 2020 to give a stat, but Simeone and Ancelotti have been, both been around so long. There's enough tactical stability to remain relevant. And without Vinny Jr., as you've already said, and then eventually they're going to have Mbappe and Holland, but they don't have them yet. They don't quite have the firepower for me to think that they're going to get up like three nil, four nil here or whatever it might be. So I think that Simeone is going to try to grind this one to a halt. He's not going to try to open it up. It's going to be nil, nil, for a really long time and 1-0 is absolutely a possible result I was kind of making fun of you there for a second but 1-0 is a result particularly if they grab it late and there's not enough time for the game to open up for you know the second or third one to come so you're you're taking a real swing at 1-0 on the exact at plus 850 I don't think there's going to be a lot of goals I'm happy to just have the more vanilla under two and a half and minus 125 yeah I I mean, I think that's a great bet. And I think no matter what we say about the lack of goals or the scoreline, just watch Jude Bellingham, people. It's on ESPN+. Plus. Watch yeah. White Muller might be the, one of the most generationally great midfielders that we ever will have. <laughs> I, I agree. I mean, we might even become a La Liga podcast just so we could talk about Bellingham. Oh, Jude every Bellingham week. every week? Yeah. yeah. Look, the Premier League and Bellingham. That's our exactly. podcast. Exactly. That's right going to be the new thing we cover. All right, Brett, let's get the fine folks out of here. We kept them long enough. So on the five pint, what a week for you last week. You nailed four of your five pints all at plus money. It makes it even more impressive for an 11.3 pint week. It's great job by you, though. I have to say it's very suspicious. You started doing so much better since I let you keep score. Let's just say <laughs> I won't be playing golf with you anytime soon. Uh, 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 but I did start keeping track the second week where I got routed. I, that was my first week doing it. So, <laughs> right, but that, that was just, fun. that was just a trick. I was like, I'll just lose this week and then I'll start changing all the bets. Yeah. Again. 
It's like the pool hustler who's playing with the wrong end of the yeah, stick and yeah. wearing blind man glasses. Oh, I, I'm not left-handed. Suddenly turns into Minnesota Fats as soon as five dollars hits the table. Uh, all right, so that puts you up eighteen point eight to ten point five on the month. We both beat the juice as Martin Odegaard continues to direct deposit funds into my account for this week. I hope he continues to do so because my very first bet is Odegaard shot on target plus Arsenal money line at plus one fifty. I'm also going with my creative over two and a half goals. Holland scores at under 1.54 goals at minus 115, and then three more plus money bets. Salah assist at plus 240. Chelsea Aston Villa under 2.5 goals at plus 115, and the Real Madrid money line in El Derby at plus 155. How are you going to beat me this week? Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to I'll match the one that we 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 tie on here, which is the Madrid one at plus 155. So we kind of cancel each other out there. Uh, but then I'll just rapid fire it here to get the fine people out that somehow made it to the end of this podcast. Uh, the over 3.5 goals at plus 120 in Arsenal Spurs. Uh, I am taking Liverpool come from behind to win at plus 525 against West Ham. And I am taking the Chelsea money line at minus 110, backing my spreadsheets. And then good team to do good thing. City minus two and a half plus 120, one pint against Forest. All right. Well, I, I kind of like your bets and I'm secretly rooting for the Chelsea one, of course, but I've got to be true to myself and I, they've been so bad. I will say you've been hanging game. out with Martin too much this week and he's just been all over his own saints. And you're just like, I think that's how all fans should be. <laughs> Fade Chelsea until we see otherwise. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. I had a lot of fun. Uh, really excited for the slate of games, particularly the North London Derby and L Derby. Uh, it's going to be a great weekend. We hope to be back with another great weekend next week where we will return with our usual interchange of horrible advice backed by expert analysis. Take care, everyone.